You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Good morning. We are going to uh, be talking a little bit about hope and that word that we use in the English language a lot, and maybe we um, don't even realize you know, it when we use it, but we're going to talk about hope and what it means uh, according to the Bible, not uh, according to maybe what we think about in popular culture, but we're going to go to the word. But let's kick it off with prayer. Would you guys bow your heads with me? God, we thank you uh, and we praise you that we can put our hope and our trust in you. We thank you that um, you, God, are never changing. We thank you that you sent your son Christ to die and to be raised again, that we would be able to be in eternity with you. So we thank you and we praise you. Speak to us. Use your word in our time and in our place to be able to um, continue to uh, give us that lifeline that we need in whatever situation we're at, God, that we would be able to turn to you and look to you for that very present help. So we thank you and we praise you. Use today uh, for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen. All right. Well, hope. So what is hope? Hope is basically the belief that something good is going to happen. The belief that something good is going to happen. Hope played a very interesting role in my life when I was uh, in college. I was a junior in college at Westmont College. And let me take you back. Okay. It was a Saturday morning. You know, you wake up on Saturday in college, you know, you go. Now, when you're going, even on Saturday, you got to get dressed up. Amen, fellas, because you never know who you're going to meet. You, you kind of, you're still, Saturday morning, went to the cafeteria, did my hair, because this was a very special day, ladies and gentlemen. This was the day that was going to change my life. Yes, it was. And so I go into the cafeteria. I'm going with my guy buddies. We're kind of walking along. And all of a sudden, it was the day that I saw her. I saw her, and she was talking with her buddies, and they were having, you know, their, uh, I don't know what she was eating, um, cereal or something, and I was eating my Fruit Loops, had my Fruit Loops, I had, you know, a couple pancakes, and, and I was, uh, was thinking, talking with my buddies, I heard her name was Katie, right, and a lot of you know how the rest of the story goes, but I'm telling you how it got started, and I was talking to my buddies, and, and we said, well, you got to have a plan, amen, fellas, you got to have a plan. And uh, my first buddy said, well, hey, we can do that thing where we put, like, you know, we, like, we put a little bit of uh, food on our face, and it kind of makes it kind of like the wounded dog thing, you know, where hopefully she'll have compassion. And then you go over and you talk, and all the, everybody starts laughing. And I'm like, I'm stopping you there. We're not doing that. Bad plan. Okay. And then my other buddy, we were saying, okay, just get your tray down. If you can get your tray to set down on the table, buyer, it's just then, you know, hopefully she won't pick her tray up and leave. But if you can get your tray down, you're in. Because everybody kind of walks and they go out and they take their trays and they drop them off, uh, you know, going out of the cafeteria. So I was going over and I had a distinct, I was just hoping, I was hoping that she wouldn't pick her tray up. So I'm making my, and I'm kind of seeing all of her friends that kind of see me coming. I'm like, oh, no, do I go back? Do I turn back? No. I'm hoping she's going to say, you know, she's going to start talking. And I set my tray right down, right across from her. And, like, it was like clockwork. It was, you know, God ordained this, obviously. But the, um, the boys, the, the guys that I was hanging out with, they kind of just all made their way to go dump their, you know, trays off, and they just left. And they left me there. And then the girls on cue, her buddies, they were kind of just done, I guess it was, and they left too. And I was in. I was at the table, and I was having the conversation with the girl that I wanted to talk to. 
So it, it was working. My plan was working so far. And um, so we started to talk, and I don't even remember what I said exactly. I didn't, I don't remember, it wasn't a great line, I don't think. It was like, you know, hey, you know, what did you guys do last night? And so we started to talk, and it was good because, you know, we were having a conversation. Um, I was just kind of in this bliss of having this talk, you know, with, uh, with Katie. And then we walked down to the dorms, and she was living in a, a different dorm, and I was over here. And so we kind of said, oh, okay, great to meet you, and blah, blah, blah. I get back to my room. My guy friends are like, what happened? Did you, so did you get the next date? And I was like, oh, my gosh. I completely did not do that at all. I completely forgot. And so there, so, and this is a true story. My buddy looks her up in the directory and dials the number and gives me the phone right then. I'm like, oh, my, oh, oh, hey, hey, what's up, you know? Hey, um, it was great to see you on the path like 30 seconds ago. Um, but I feel led, I really feel, I feel God's telling me to do this, um, that I really uh, need to ask you to go out with me tonight. Now, here's the thing. This is kind of an unusual date. It just happens now, I'm going to parenthetically here. Uh, it just happened to be the Saturday right before everybody goes home for Christmas break. So some people are there, some people are not. Um, and she was there, but this is what I had. So here's the thing, though. I, I'm going to my sister's Christmas musical, um, and that's I have to go because I have tickets. But I can get you an extra ticket. You want to come with me? And she said, I was hoping. I was like that, that pause, that silence. I'm just hoping. And what did she say? She said, okay, sure, I'll come along. All right, I'm game. And if you know anything about me, it, it, you know, Christmas musical, that kind of makes sense, right? We went and saw my sister's Christmas musical. And let me just say, that was the most interesting Christmas musical of all time ever. And I wasn't really looking that way. I was looking this way. So, yeah. Anyway, that story worked out well. As you know, um, it was uh, a couple years later. I asked her to be my wife, and she sits over here. Would you give a round of applause for my Loving wife, Katie. Yes. So whether you like it or whether you think hope plays a role in your life, oh, it does. It definitely does. And it definitely played a role um, throughout Scripture, and it's talked a lot about in the Bible. So one of Job's friends, everybody know about Job, right, the guy that just went through it. One of Job's friends is actually, he's talking about what's wrong with the world. And in Job chapter 8, Verse 11 here, he says, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. And I don't know if it's, you know, any surprise to you, but are we in a time, in a place, in a society that's forgotten God? I, I, that definitely describes us. I mean, if you look on the news, you turn it on, uh, I mean, you don't have to look very far to see that this world has forgotten God and Sadly, uh, we're in short supply of hope. From the Manchester incident this last uh, week with the Ariana Grande bombing um, to some of the recent stats that say the percentage of young children and teens hospitalized for suicidal thoughts or actions in the United States has doubled in the last decade. That's the percentage has doubled. Um, tragically, we continue to see about celebrities who take their own lives. It's said that 120 suicides happen a day in the United States. Hope is in short supply. And not only do we need hope for our own lives, but we need to be able to be agents of hope. Amen? We need to be people that are instilling hope and convincing others that there is hope. There is hope, and it's found in the Word of God. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first, let me explain, though, 
what hope is not. Hope is not optimism, right? Now, I like optimism. I am definitely probably an optimist. It's a lot better than pessimism, I think. But um, hope, uh, hope is, is, is considerably different. Optimism is not really in touch with reality, right? Hopti think of optimism kind of like, you know, um, you know, Pollyanna, kind of, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a belief, um, really, that things are always going to be fine, when in reality, they, they may not be. Think about, like, and bear with me here, because I'm a young father of three, so a lot of my sermon illustrations are going to be limited to Pixar movies and uh, children's movies. Can I get an amen for Pixar, though? There's good stuff. There's great stories. Yes. Oh, I got one over there. Woo! Um, but from the inside out, all right, you've seen that? So there's all these characters that represent emotions. There's this, like, pixie named Joy. She's kind of running a lot of things. But you remember there's that character Bing Bong. Everybody remember Bing Bong, Bing Bong, Bing Bong. Who's a friend you love the most, right? And, um, and Bing, he cries. Candy comes out of his eyes and stuff. But, no, he's really sad and depressed because she doesn't want to play with Bing Bong anymore. And sadness is over here, the other emotion, right? And she's trying to kind of talk to him. And Joy's like, no, sadness, that's the opposite of the emotion we're going for right now. You know, but sadness is realizing that you have to acknowledge the reality of what's happened in order for him to be able to move past it, right? So think of optimism more as kind of that Joy character that's basically, you know, not acknowledging always reality. Um, and optimism, like I say, optimism is great in the day-to-day, -day, but, day -day, but optimism is not going to change the world. Amen? You're not going to change the world by just hoping that things are going to get better and not being grounded in reality. For instance, you know, you could just be an optimist and say, I hope that the Sacramento summer temperatures are going to stay in the 70s all summer long, all summer long. That would, that's not grounded in reality, right? You can be an optimist about that all you want. Nothing, you're not going to change anything. Nothing's going to change from that. Um, you know, in the same respect, more seriously, you could, you know, be an optimist that, you know, your husband or wife or your son or daughter would change behavior, um, but being an optimist about it is not going to change them. That's, that's not, doesn't have the power to change. Um, simply put, optimism says it's not really as bad as you think. Hope says, you know what, it's bad. It's actually really, really, really bad, and it could be, you know, in one of the worst situations of your life, but, but... You're going to choose to believe. You're going to choose. That's a choice. That's what hope says. Um, optimism often denies reality. And, you know, I, um, I've got a friend, actually, who is in that situation. You know, you see these stories kind of unfold on Facebook. But a friend of mine down south, uh, his wife has been battling cancer. And we just found out, you know, on Facebook, I just saw that she's going into hospice. And so they're kind of walking through that process with you know, all of their friends and with their family. But even in that instance, you know, she's just made a choice. It's just beautiful to watch how, you know, they're just choosing to um, have this process be God-honoring and really try to draw people uh, to Christ through this um, and, uh, and find hope in it. But that's, that's hope, right? It says it's bad, but I'm going to still choose to believe. So the Bible talks about three kinds of hope. And in Rick Warren's book, The Hope You Need, he outlines these three kinds of hope. And so I'm going to outline those for you today, uh, kind of that he outlined, and I'll, I'll give the definitions of these. So the first kind of hope that's talked about in the Bible is wishful hope. Wishful hope. Now, this is the kind of hope that, like, everybody kind of thinks of when you think of hope. This is, like, the kind of hope that says, you know, I really hope that we could get, you know, a big empty table at In-N-Out Burger right after church on Sunday for lunch, right? 
That's wishful hope, right? I'm always kind of like, come on, guys, a couple more tables, please. Love in and out, though. Wishful hope also is, uh, you know, it's, it's like saying, I really hope to uh, check out at Costco for under $100. That's wishful hope. That's wishful hope, right? Um, and then you always got to throw in the large pizza. It's all about you got to get that large pizza. I mean, that is good pizza at Costco. Amen for Costco pizza? Amen. Right. Um, or hoping the Sacramento Kings will make the playoffs this year is an example of a wishful hope. I love them. Trust me, I love them. I'm a huge basketball fan. But that's wishful. That's wishful. Um, but we're hoping that we're hoping the new arena, though, you know, could result in some some good players. The draft's coming up. The draft's coming up. Okay, that's that's wishful thinking. Um, it's false hope, and you know, it really it's just kind of a it's a wish. It's it's just a wish, and it doesn't really affect anything. Well, the second kind of hope is expectant hope. Expectant hope. Now here, there's actually a basis in reality, right? Um, for instance, you know, you, you've actually done something. For instance, you know, when I walked up to Katie and I put my tray down uh, in the cafeteria, I had expectant hope, right, because I was actually doing something. Now, I know what you're saying. You're like, Matt, that was more of an example of wishful hope. But you would be wrong because it worked out pretty well for me, I'd like to, I'd like to think. Yeah. Okay, so expectant hope. Um, Expectant hope is one of those things, though, that just same as, as wishful hope, though, you know, it's, it's not always guaranteed. Uh, you know, we call um, a pregnant mother expectant, right? And that's because that's legitimate. She has a child growing inside of her. But as we know, you know, nothing is guaranteed. My wife and I have gone through that pain of a miscarriage. And so even something as beautiful and as amazing as, as a pregnancy or an an expectation of a child does not always, you know, uh, come true. And so we need something that we can really count on, something that's for certain, something that's guaranteed, something that we can build our life on. And that's why the Bible talks about a third kind of hope, and this is the kind of hope that the Bible describes you can anchor your soul in, right? We sang about that. We can anchor your soul in this kind of hope. This is certain hope. And, you know, when the Bible's talking about being a person of hope, you know, it's not wishing or expecting, but it's, it's knowing for certain. It talked about in Hebrews there um, also that, um, that faith was actually the assurance or the certainty of things not yet seen. That's what faith is. And you can't have, uh, you can't have faith without hope because you've got to have hope. You've got to believe, you've got to have hope that there's actually a heaven in order to have faith in it. So those two kind of go together. And the Bible says that the three greatest virtues are faith, hope, and love. And it seems like we know a lot about faith and we know a lot about love, but we're a little bit more unclear about what hope is. And uh, so that's kind of what we're, what we're hitting here today, and we're going to understand more about what the Bible says about what, uh, what hope actually is. So look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, and it says, The certain hope, it's on your screen, is being, of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The certain hope of being saved. That's certain. I'm saved. Amen? And here's the deal, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't sit and wonder whether or not I'm going to heaven. That's a certainty. That's a matter of fact. It says it right here in Scripture. And, you know, we know that, uh, that, that God cannot lie. So we, we believe that. Um, you know, and here's what I would say today is that if you don't have that certainty, 
and you don't have that assurance, don't let today go by. Don't wait for the planets to align. You know, come talk to me afterwards. Come talk to um, any of our staff members, and we want to make absolutely dead certain and sure that you know where you're going to spend eternity, and don't delay on that. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know what, um, I've always got time to do that. I'll do it later um, after I, you know, kind of live a while. And let me just tell you, nothing's guaranteed. If you watch um, watch the news and you see the statistics, it's pretty much one out of one. We're all going to die. It's just a matter of when. Um, amen? So make that decision. Uh, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14 says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So we have that hope. We have that blessed hope. Just like it talks about there in Titus, it's for sure, it's for certain, it's guaranteed. And we have those three characteristics of hope that it talks about in Hebrews. It's strong, you know, you can, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, it's, it's dependable. And, and then we got this other word, this anchor, this word anchor that we sang about today. And we're not talking about, you know, the Ron Burgundy anchor or the Katie Couric anchor. We're talking about like an actual physical anchor, Right? Um, any of you guys ever seen Anchor, had experience with an anchor? I, I got to say that I had very limited experience. Um, however, my dad and I used to enjoy going uh, sport fishing off the coast. Grew up uh, down in Ventura. And my dad used to, uh, we'd, we'd take these sport fishing tours and we'd go around the other side of the Channel Islands. And if you've ever been around that other side of the Channel Islands, you'd know that the wind just beats that side. And so... Um, We'd gone several times. We had no incident, but we went this one time. We were doing halibut fishing, and we were kind of, the fish finder had us located on a certain area, and uh, just huge swells kind of going back. It wasn't a full-blown storm, but it was pretty close to it. And the skipper came up to the front of the bow. We were kind of having trouble, you know, keeping our balance, and uh, they threw the anchor down. And they threw the anchor down for two reasons. Um, Number one, they wanted to keep us from drifting out of that area where all the fish were. Right? And two, they wanted to stabilize us with all the swells that were going along. So now think about your own life. Number one, to keep us from drifting. Have you ever experienced drifting? Has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever experienced that soul drift? You know, like maybe, maybe, maybe you know, you kind of make a smart remark, then you got a, a little sarcasm creeps in, you got a little cynicism, the next thing you know, you know, Two weeks later, you're like, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. you know, and then it's full-blown arguing, you know, and then it takes somebody like your spouse or somebody else close to you in your life to be able to tell you, oh, hey, um, what's going down with you? Do we need to pray? Do we need to talk? You know, have you, are you, uh, are you in the Word? You need to come. Let's go to Bible study tonight. How about that, you know? And um, it, we're prone to drift, aren't we, if we don't stay rooted in, uh, in Christ and in our anchor, um, which is the hope of his word. So we're prone to drift, definitely. And then the other thing is that it gives stability um, in a storm. Gives stability in a storm. And do we have storms in our life? Absolutely. We don't know when the storm is coming, um, but we, there's no question that we're going to need stability 
um, in a storm. And the Bible says that, you know, that in those kinds of moments, you're not putting your hope, in, you know, you're not dropping your anchor in fame or in money or uh, your talents, whatever the case may be. Our hope is found, like we sing, right, in Christ alone. That's, and I mean, that says it right there. Our hope is found in Christ alone. My light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I couldn't say it better. We sang it, though, this er earlier, too, right? There is hope in the promise of the cross. He gave everything to save the world you love, and this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our God will stand unshakable. So that's, uh, that's the next point there. God is the only true hope. God is the only true hope. And in order to know God, we've got to be where? We've got to be in his word. That's the only way um, that we can really know. Now, it's said that, it, that there's, in the Bible, uh, over 7,000 different promises um, that he has made to us. 7,000 different promises. Um, and, you know, we know for certain throughout Scripture, uh, you know, it says that God cannot lie like we talked about. And so you've got to believe that these promises are going to be fulfilled, amen? And, you know, God's not bound by the limits of time and space like we are. Like, he has all of eternity to fulfill his promises, amen? It, you know, we think, well, yeah, I mean, so you're supposed to fulfill my promises, like, you know, give me a hope and a future. Like, I need my future now. Like, let's go. Uh, what am I majoring in, God? Um, you know? But God's not bound by our idea of what, you know, uh, time and space is. He's got all of eternity to be able to do that. Just think about Let's think about a guy like Abraham, right? This guy was guaranteed. He was promised what his, his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky, right? As many as the stars in the sky. And then the guy's 85 years old, and he's got no kids. So what did he do? Did he, did he give up? He continued to put his faith and believe that the promises would be fulfilled, and God had his first child at 86, and he had Isaac at 99, right? And so... Just true to form, just exactly as God said, his promises was fulfilled, but it didn't fit within the time frame that Abraham necessarily would have thought. I, that would definitely not make sense if I was 85 years old and I was told that I was going to have as many as a star in the sky and I didn't even have a kid. So we've got to realize that God's going to take some time, right? It's not going to necessarily always, and it probably is never going to fit within the time scheme um, that we're thinking of. Think about Joseph, right? Joseph, Dave, Dave shared about Joseph last week. Um, he had the dream, uh, you remember, where all the uh, the different, you know, uh, sheaves were bowing down to him, and so he had uh, really a promise that he was going to, uh, you know, be a great leader, and, and then the next thing you know, he's sold by his brothers, and he's accused of Potiphar's, uh, by Potiphar's wife, of rape, and he's sitting in jail. Uh, do you think that would be a pretty tough spot? be a pretty tough time to really want to put your hope still in God. Um, and, and nonetheless, you know, as we know how the story, the rest of the story goes, Joseph becomes second in charge uh, there in Egypt. Um, and it, but it takes time. It doesn't always, doesn't always you know, go on the path uh, that would have made, you know, sense to him or the way that, you know, maybe you would have you know, strategized it out. So how do we have hope? How do, how do we have it? You know, we, we hear about it. We read about it. What do we do? Well, um, Jesus talked about it in Luke 18. He was talking to his disciples, and he said, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray, never give up. And 
Christ was an example of that, right? How many times did he just continue to go back to Scripture, go back to prayer, um, and continue to uh, seek the hope that comes from having certainty in the Word? Um, my, my son, uh, James and, and Jackson, and uh, my daughter, Ava, and my wife and I, we sit down on Saturday mornings, and we try to read through a chapter uh, of the book of the Bible. And so we got through Proverbs. We're into Psalms here now. We're going to pick some other, uh, some other books. And right now we're reading, I think it's the, the Living Bible. Um, I also got the NIV and the message, but a little easier to understand. But we were having this kind of conversation, and James was asking me, he was asking me, you know, so, you know, and I'm big personally on memorization. I like memorizing things. Um, you know, obviously everybody, you know, to each their own. Um, but I personally think it's, it's invaluable to be able to know God's word. And he was asking me, well, you know, how can we memorize? Because we've got, you know, phones and we've got the Bible. And it's true, we do. But there's something about having those scriptures written on your heart and written in your soul. Amen. I, I know for myself, there are some verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope in the future. Some of those things, Psalm 23, that are just written on my heart. And in some of the worst storms of my life, those verses were something that I could just meditate on. And we don't know when those storms are coming, do we? We don't know when what we've read and the truth that we've read here in Scripture is going to be applicable to our lives. That's the whole thing. We don't know. But we've got to be faithful, and we've got to continue to, uh, to believe that God has given us these promises and given us this word to be able to speak to us in this time and in this place. So, um, yeah, that's big for me. Okay, every moment of your life, you basically have a choice. You can choose to panic or pray. You can choose to panic or pray. And like I said, we don't know when those storms are going to come. We don't know uh, when the trouble is going to come. And so we have to be prepared. And if we have, we have not been immersing ourselves in Scripture when those stresses come, when those storms come, when that, you know, situation comes that just feels out of control, we can go back to the Word We've got it written on our heart, and we're ready, and we understand that this is, <laughs> this is the way the legends of the faith endured. And so uh, we have that truth, and we have that certainty. But, okay, my next point here. He often doesn't save us from the storm, but he saves us through it. He often doesn't save us from the storm, but he saves us through it. Um, you know, this idea of this anchor Anchor. Okay, that's, I mean, that's a good, that's a strong metaphor. But in reality, I kind of would may, maybe prefer it for it to go like this. Strong, trustworthy helicopter. Right? Strong, trustworthy helicopter. Now, bear with me here. Why? Um, you know, because an anchor, doesn't that just kind of mean, God, that you're going to just stabilize me while I'm going through the pain still? An anchor does not imply that I'm going to be removed out of the situation, does it? He's going to be there, and he will be there with us, but is he going to remove the situation from us? Not, not so much. Not so much. And if you look at Scripture, and I want to show you a passage what I mean here, it's pretty clear that that's, um, that's as he intends. Um, he's, so I'm going to turn to, uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. This is verses 22 through 35. I'm going to read this passage here, but it goes like this. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat to the other side. He insisted, use that word insisted, right? He insisted. So he's like, 
And if you know where this goes, he's going, they're going into a storm. He basically intentionally had them go through the storm. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, during the fourth watch of the night, now the fourth watch is like the Romans, they would divide the night into four different watches. The fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is what, what we, said, what, what we um, know about that. So that, this is like, and you got to remember, we don't have street lights. So, right, and we don't have, we don't, they don't have uh, really any light of any kind other than the moon. So you got to remember, it's pitch black. He's on the mountain. They're on the boat. They're a considerable distance, as we just said, from the land. They're on this lake. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, which is pretty amazing. I just want to see this. I really want to see this one in heaven with the highlight reel. This would be very interesting. Um, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me immediately. Now, it doesn't say, you know, Jesus let him tread water, you know, for 10 seconds. It says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, here's the deal. It says in verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, that's very interesting. Isn't this the guy that controls the wind and the waves? Right? He controls the wind and the waves. He's, he's over there. He's praying. They're in the boat. And he's got to make his way now, right in the fourth watch, from the mountain to the boat so what's that look like? Middle of the night, Jesus is walking, and he's letting the storm rage, right? Can we, can we assume that? Can we assume that? He's, he's letting this happen, right? And he's, I mean, you know, it could even make his walk easier, but he didn't. He's climbing up over waves and down, you know. It's like they see him one moment, then they don't see him, then they do see him. And, but he's not, he's not going to calm these wind and the waves. Why? Because he's more interested in in building their character and building their faith than he is in saving us from the storm. So, you know, and that's, and that's easy to say, but that's a whole other thing for us to endure in our life, right? I mean, that's, that's not easy. And so, you know, while I'd love for it to say that he's our helicopter, um, Bible's pretty clear. He's not going to remove uh, the situation altogether. Um, he's going to be there for us, though. But is he going to be there? It says immediately, immediately. He is there for us. He's our anchor. He is our rock, and we can count on him. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you may be sitting here, and you go, you know, well, Matt, this is great. You know, hope. Yeah, I'm kind of a hopeful guy. Okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm positive. I'm not really negative. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of keep your hope thing to yourself. I'm just going to keep going. Um and, you know, I'm not really the kind that's really ever going to feel hopeless. Like, that's not really me. I'm always going to be fine. Well, I probably I might have agreed with you. Um, 
up until a distinct moment in my life, I was 26 years old, and I remember one morning, I'm putting on my socks, and I put my socks on, and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm gaining some weight here, jeez, okay, <laughs> and then I, I put my socks on again the next day, and I'm like, uh, this is not normal, Did I, I didn't play basketball yesterday, but my ankle's all swollen, and then I put on the other sock, and I'm like, that ankle's really swollen too, that's kind of weird. And I just keep going. You know, I don't really pay any attention to it. And I, I just kind of, I remember I, at one point I'm like, does that look kind of weird, Katie? And she's like, uh, yeah, that looks really weird. We need, you need to go to urgent care. And I'm, I'm like, I, I feel fine. We don't need to go to urgent care. So well, she's like, no, we're going to urgent care. We're going now. So we ended up, you know, going down to urgent care. And, you know, they, we go in, and, and I'm just saying, you know, I, I really, I didn't really notice anything or other than the fact that I had these swollen ankles, that's what I told the lady. So she took my blood pressure, and it comes back. It's like 195 over 180 or something. And Now, mind you, I'd been an athlete most of my life, and so I really was never really concerned about, you know, my health because uh, I was always pretty healthy, and I worked out a lot and stuff. But this was kind of strange. So the lady's like, can you, you know, you need to sit down. Uh, are you okay? Do you need some water? I'm like, I'm fine, like easy. You know, we got, I got to get back to work. And, and so she's like, well, you know, we're going to run some other tests. So they run some other tests. My cholesterol is over 400. There's all these strange things that are going on. They're kind of bustling around. And I remember thinking this is, I remember having this moment kind of where it went from, this just seems like it's just going to be an inconvenience to what exactly is happening now. And, you know, they run a bunch of battery of tests. And, they're, you know, the lady, you know, just sits there and goes, I, we're just amazed you haven't had a stroke already. We're just amazed you haven't. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't. I don't feel weird, though. I don't feel that bad. Well, they scheduled a bunch of battery of tests. They had a, um, a biopsy scheduled at UCLA, and so I went in to – because they, what they had said was is that my kidneys were less than 30% functioning. So they said, your kidneys look like they're shutting down, and we don't, we're not sure why. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and and uh, that's why you're retaining fluid in your legs because your kidneys are just not working, and it's progressing towards failure pretty quickly. Um, and so, uh, so that we did the biopsy and we came back and the doctor, I remember very clearly coming into the doctor's office, remember how it, even how it smelled, it kind of had this, you know, real clinical feel in there and it was this fluorescent light kind of buzzing. And I sat there looking, you know, at this doctor as he started talking, you know, he couldn't tell me anything on the phone. And so my wife and I are sitting there and she's looking back at me. Um, and he says, so here's the deal. You know, you're a young guy and everything, but you have something called MPGN type 1. It's a kidney, kidney basically a kidney disease, um, but it's an autoimmune uh, disease. And he said, um, we don't know a lot about it. We know that we can try to do some really intensive treatments, but in most cases, 90% of the cases, it's not responsive to treatment. And so you're going to progress towards renal failure, which means that, um, you know, we'd have to basically you'd, you'd be living doing dialysis um, and you're not going to be a candidate for an organ transplant because it would just continue to recur and come back with whatever you get transplanted. So I'm just kind of looking at him and I'm like, it's getting tunnel vision kind of around him because I'm thinking I'm 26 years old. I just got married a couple years ago. I've got all these plans <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, by the way, I still got to get back and go eat Baja Fresh so I can get back to my office. What do you, what do you mean? And um and it, it was just one of those moments that I remember 
for lack of a better term, I just it just felt completely out of control, and I felt real I felt really hopeless. That's that's I can't I don't know another word to describe it. I remember coming back home and just kind of walking around, kind of pacing around, just not really knowing what I was going to do next. And I I knew I just needed to basically go on, and we needed to just you know do the treatment and pray and. Um, but I remember just starting to go, God, what are you doing? Like, I am a young guy here, and I've got so many different things to do and I want to do. And I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying my best to, you know, serve you and do different things. And this just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and uh, I remember full well, though. So my dad at the time, he was still alive then. He invited me to go to a worship conference. And so we went to Saddleback Worship Conference together, and we went down there, and uh, it was the last time I got to be with him before I, before he passed away, but it, it was amazing because, you know, there's all these guys jumping around and having all this fun and stuff, which was me like a year ago, right, and then now I was just standing there just like looking at them just like, oh, okay, you know, just had a completely different frame of mind and frame of reference, and I remember sitting there and Chris Tomlin came up, and he starts to sing a cappella, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And tears running down my face. And I realized that I needed to give even that over. I needed to surrender. That I don't know, if I, if I live six more months, I'm going to live them for him. And I remember thinking and praying and letting it go and saying, God, you have a perfect plan. This doesn't look like it. <laughs> This step, but I'm going to choose, things are bad, but I'm going to choose to trust. And I'm, and you know, and it, that was not an easy thing. That, that took time. I, there was a definite cynicism in my heart for quite a while. Um, but God got a hold of me. And I remember saying, God, if you, you know, if you do want to take me out of the storm, which by the way, you could do at any time, please, um, I, I, I want to serve you. I'll, I'll give you everything I got. And uh, praise the Lord. Um, and I, I'll say this also, it was, that experience was integral, so I always say, you never know what somebody's going through, be a brother, be a sister, be a friend, come alongside, um, and, and, and we need to be encouragers, ambassadors of that hope, but I also say, um, it was some of those verses, some of that word that I went back on, and that I, that I, I went back to and would re- rely on, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I remember saying that over and over, he has, you know, plans in a future for me, and I thought, okay, well, I mean, he does, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm betting my life on this because I got nothing else. I got really, really. Otherwise, the alternative is is to be hopeless and just resign myself. But um, I went back to the truth, and I thank God that I had parents that uh, raised me that way, and people, integral people in my life throughout college that um, that spoke into my life. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I went back to the word, and so. I would just say this, that, you know, if, if you're wrestling with anything um, like that today, uh, just know, just know that, um, uh, that really the only kind of relief and the only kind of hope that will come in those kinds of situations is through the word and through putting your trust and your hope um, in him. So, uh, by the way, at the end of that story is, is that God, uh, after six months of intensive treatment, I was in that 10% that actually uh, God just decided to completely heal. And not only, it, it basically went back to full um, uh, functioning, 
the only thing is I continue to live, you know, with medications and I have to get it checked every six months and that kind of a thing. So it will always be with me. God did not remove that storm out of my life, but he did heal me. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, and you may be, you may be sitting here today still and saying, well, I, I don't have an experience like that. And uh, so that's, I'm not really tracking with you. Um, I, this two weeks ago, uh, just some interesting news came across and my friends and I began to kind of talk with each other on text. And I don't know if you saw, but a guy that had everything by the world standards, everything. He had a young family, a wife. He, his name was Chris Cornell, and he was the lead singer of band Soundgarden and uh, another band, Temple of the Dog, and had everything. Uh, by all accounts, they call him one of the best rock singers in the history of uh, rock and roll. And uh, I remember growing up listening to a lot of uh, some of his stuff. And this guy, though, this guy... They said sang earlier in that morning and then tragically, you know, chose to take his own life that evening. And they're in front of thousands of people and then that night, you know, just decided to make that decision. But so I guess I would say that it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. And you may think that it, you're just fine where you're at and, you know, and you may be right now. But you have absolutely no idea what the future holds for you. And so I would say, again, um, Continue to, to consider what it is that you need to do. If it's a change you need to make, um, whatever the case may be, but, but choose to put your hope um, in Christ and in his word. Um, you know, no matter what the situation you're in, maybe it's a big thing like that. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's just like general apathy. You're just kind of like, I just feel like nothing I do really matters. Um, but whatever the case may be, here's what I would say practically, a couple things. I'm going to kind of get in my soapbox about this. Okay we got to challenge our thoughts, right? I mean, no matter what place we're at in our lives, we challenge our thoughts. And here's the thing. There's a toxic lie kind of going around, um, and it's, it's been there since the beginning of time. There's nothing new under the sun. But the toxic lie is this, is that you're being inauthentic if you don't kind of respond to every desire or every thought that pops into your head. Now, here's the deal. There's a lot of things you think about that you shouldn't do. Amen? Just because you have a thought does not mean that you should give free reign to that thought. And this idea that, you know, you gotta you gotta follow your heart and you know, if it pops into your to who to your head, well, that's the authentic you. That's the real you, that's the truthful you. No. Bogus, lie, phony. Um, follow your heart. No, question your heart. It's a, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Question your heart, okay? Not live your truth. Um, your truth is right here, right? This is your truth right here. So we've got to question um, some, of those, uh, some of those thoughts, and that's, that's the first step, okay? Thought life, because it begins in the mind um, and the heart. Now, uh, the other thing I would say is, is that if you, if, you know, even if it's something, even if it's small, but if it's, especially if it's big, you know, have conversations. We can't do this alone. Jesus walked with 12 disciples, right? He picked them out. They did it together. They did it as a group. We're truly not designed to do things alone. We need to be sharing with a brother and sister. We need that encouragement. Not only do we need, you know, it ourselves, we need to be doing it for, for others. And so God will both, you know, he'll use you in some of the most difficult times. Sometimes that's when he uses you the most. Amen? Sometimes when you're going through the worst thing, he'll use you um, in, a, in a very, very powerful way, just like I was talking about with my friend 
is going through, you know, uh, a tough thing, but they're, they're, God is using that to impact others. So don't, don't, let, uh, don't let time go by without being able to be used. So talk to a brother, talk to a sister, talk to a pastor, Pastor Dave, um, or a Christian counselor. Join a circle group. I'm passionate about our circle group. It's our next door neighbors, and I got to admit, sometimes Monday comes around, and I'm like, "Oh, well, here we go. we got to go." Oh, that's right, you know. And then we get there, and we start hanging out. We start talking again. We, you know, about ten minutes into scripture, you know, my mind's kind of trying to refocus and get all these priorities out of my mind. But then I'm like, you know what? This is great because all of a sudden I start to reprioritize. I start to refocus. I start to get back into you know, really where my heart and mind needs to kind of compass itself um, to be able to focus on God's word. So join a circle group, um, uh, talk to somebody. Um, and then the last one, you know, is is that if you're really struggling and, and you think, you know, this is about as bad as it could be, let me just tell you, the pages of this book are filled with stories of people that have gone through stuff just probably as bad, probably a lot worse. And so read the legends of the faith in here. Read about, you know, guys like Abraham. Read about Joseph. Re- read about Paul sitting in a jail cell, right? You know, and would that be a dark night? Absolutely. That would be, that, that would, uh, he had every reason to feel hopeless, but he didn't. He chose to endure. Um, and, you know, there's so many different scriptures that have spoke to me um, uh, over my life, but I want to close with one. It's just a great passage out of the, uh, um, the book of Isaiah here. This is Isaiah 43, verses 2 through 3, and it says this. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you that that you have a plan and that you have a purpose for each one of our lives. God, I thank you that you've given us your unchanging word, that you've given us your promises that we can build our lives on, that that you say are a strong, trustworthy anchor for our soul, God. What a beautiful thing that is. What an amazing thing that we can, that we have something that we can count on. The world does not. The world just has empty promises, wishes. We have certainty. We have hope that's real. So I thank you for that. God, I pray that we would lean into you, that we would not only have hope for our own lives, but that we would be agents of hope, that that we would share that hope. God, if there... Even today, God, if there, if there be someone here that does not know you, I, I pray that they would come talk to me, come talk to a brother, come talk to a, a sister up here, and that they would have that assurance that they would come to know you as their Savior. And if, that, if that's you today here, pray after me. Say this prayer. We don't want to let this moment go by. Say, Lord, I give my life to you. I offer my life to you. I've tried to do it myself, and I've made a mess. So I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess my sin to you, and I ask that you would be the Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for your son Jesus. 
rising again, that we would be able to live in eternity with you. If you prayed that prayer, please either let me know now. You can lift your hand up, or you can come talk to one of, uh, one of us here at the front. If you're here today and you're going through the storm, if you feel like, you know what, it's just totally out of control, and you don't, you don't know where to turn, just pray this. And come talk to us afterwards, please. We want to pray with you. But God, I trust you. I trust that you have a perfect plan. I don't understand this storm, God. But you know what? No matter how bad it is and no matter how bad it gets, I want to hold on to you as my anchor. You're strong. You're trustworthy. I can count on you, Jesus. And so I, I hold on to you today. God, use, use this in my life to be able to be an ambassador of your hope to others and to be able to impact others in and through this and, um, and that, that you would continue to make me a more faithful follower of your son, Jesus Christ. Say that, say that prayer. And God, we just thank you and we praise you for this time where we're able to uh, come together to be able to focus on your word, to be able to encourage one another. We're just so grateful. We just, we rest in that assurance. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we rest in that assurance today. Thank you for this body and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.